0: Released on Sunday, July nineteenth, twenty fifteen.
1: This Agile Life episode ninety. Mm, wow.
2: The software Thinking industry transforms more and more agile. every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional My ones. The question is: Are you is agile time enough? Of year again where this podcast is devoted agile to agile and software development. To time to welcome your our agile union.
0: coaches on
2: this Agile Life.
0: Yes, it is the time where we shall come together and we shall discuss the one and only annual, this time the ninth annual, State of Agile Survey, as has been prepared by version 1. And so of course, my name is Jason Tice, welcome to This Agile Life, a very special annual edition that we do every year. And joining me, I've got two other co-hosts tonight who have so graciously volunteered to conduct a comprehensive analysis of version one's data and our we're going to talk about it tonight and share kind of some things that we observed about the data and what we think about it so uh, we have lee mccauley here tonight lee what's going on
1: not much jason how are you i'm glad to hear that that we are ready to, to take this on once again especially our yearly annual thing well, you know I'm, making sure we do it annually yearly
0: well and i am so happy to report in advance that you know what and I'm just, spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen, the state of our Agile union is strong because the number one Agile tool has yet to be dethroned. The number one Agile tool in the, out there in the community is Microsoft Excel. <laughs> yes, consistency. And also join us tonight for this special edition of This Agile Life. We have uh, one of our newer hosts who actually has never been part of this before. So, uh, Natalie, tell us why you're so excited to be here this
2: evening. Oh, I have been poring over this documentation all day long, and I can't tell you how excited I am to finally find out what the state of the Agile world is through V1. They have truly opened my eyes, truly opened my eyes. So thank you so much for inviting me to this uh, tradition that I am so excited to be part of.
0: Well, and so with that a little, as Natalie is new, a little bit about the tradition for those of you that might be a more recent adopter of the Agile Life. Um, believe it or not, if you haven't ever listened to an old episode of the Sagile Life, we actually used to do the news. And lots of funny backstage stories about the news. Um, as you can imagine, some people were not a fan of it. Some people loved it. But one in one of our early episodes, this survey came out, and, and I remember John talked about it and we kind of got stuck on it. And Next thing you know, we're all diving into the data and we're kind of seeing like this doesn't make sense and 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 kind of what's going on here. And obviously, since version one does publish this survey every year, and they, they actually to their credit, they invest, um they invest some money to get the data. If you if you have to be going to Agile twenty fifteen, I'm pretty sure, um, although full disclosure, none of us work for version one here, so we are independent. We pride ourselves at this agile life about that, but they'll probably be out, um they typically are, you know, having a giveaway. So if you want to donate five minutes of your time, take the survey at the conference, they'll enter you in a drawing to win a prize. So, um, so they get their data and they, they hire a firm to go over it and they present this report. And, um, it's interesting to talk about. So, um, so we've kind of started doing, we've all kind of, all of us have reviewed the survey here tonight and we thought we would just kind of leaf through it and see what jumps out at us. So, um, that's kind of the history of this. Um, I know Nate Mackey always has had some interesting things to say and he, uh,
2: He unfortunately couldn't join us. So so one of the things I'd like to jump in with to start off is nowhere does it says what this sort of the sampling is. Is this wrong? Wrong. Really? Well, they kind of tried to do that. Where? Well, so on page four they
0: have respondent demographics, but that's where I'm gonna. <laughs> this I'm gonna go off the back because this was a this was two things. Full disclosure, I made the same comment last year and actually the year before that about the survey where I see an opportunity missed here, and then secondly, we failed as a podcast because I know I said last year when we talked about the survey that we should do our own independent survey administered by this Agile life, and here it is a full year later. If we've done that, no, so we failed, but. If you look on page four, like it says size of organization. And like it says fifty-three percent of all respondents said that they had more than one thousand people in their software organization. Okay, that's actually
1: actually I I think I know where you're going with this, Jason. Yeah. Please please let me have this one.
0: Oh, you okay. Oh as our as our resident doctorate
1: in Oh, please.
0: in, In well, you're you're an AI, but you get all that actuary stuff, right, Lee? I'm yeah, just—I'm yeah. a lowly MBA, so I'm sorry. So, okay, so Lee, let's talk about how we should define our demographics here. At well, some point, I want to finish what I was going to say. I'm too. just being <laughs> rude tonight. I'm sorry. We're all fired up about this one.
1: Well, so I just wanted to point out that, uh, as I think where Jason was going with this, is 53% are more than a thousand people, 35% more than five thousand people, 20% more than 20,000 people in their or- in their org- organization. That leaves a whopping. Two percent for any organization that was a respondent to this well, thing that was below thousand people.
0: No, 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 no. That's actually not where I was going. Lately. Where I was going well, is so. Here's so I'll close this thread. Then we'll go back to Natalie. Is fifty-three percent of all respondents had more than thousand people in their software organization? Okay. Then thirty-five percent of the people had more than five thousand people in their entire organization. And then there's one that says twenty percent of all people uh, had twenty Fort
1: in very large organizations. Yeah.
0: Well, what I'm saying is we're comparing two different samples. There, one is the entire organization size, and then the other is the software organization, which are different things. And what I've said all along, again, the opportunity for whoever, whatever the firm is, they hired to do this for them, is I want to see the complex correlation. So I want to see out of those fifty three percent of the of the people that have a thousand people in their software organization, what percentage of those people are in an organization that has more than twenty thousand people in it? Makes sense, but that's you can't see that from this data. So the the potential impact of this data is reduced because they haven't published that type of a complex correlation.
2: So, Natalie, bring us back to reality here. What what, what got us on this foxhole? So when I looked at that size of the organization on page four. I started to think math is like really hard because that adds up to a hundred and eight percent. We are not comparing the same thing to another. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're saying the same so, thing. I am, so yeah, absolutely. But nowhere in here back to my other point is that what are who are the people that we're actually surveying i have a strong suspicion that they're surveying people that they are trying to get to buy their product so obviously they already have an interest in an agile transformation or they're already agile so the numbers are so damn skewed to start with
0: well, well and here's the one i'd love to see because i know that like again at the agile conference every year like the past two or three years, like either you've been able to complete the survey in their booth in the expo hall or you or they've had like kiosks set up around the conference center where you could. So I think the response is maybe skewed because a sing, only like 3,000 people did the survey, I think. So, I mean, it's a pretty small sample size that I think the data is skewed because a large number of those responses are probably collected at the annual Agile Alliance
2: Conference. After it, they've had a few drinks.
0: Uh, yeah, or... <laughs> I don't know, so, but here, here's something else related to size, though, that I thought was, and I, it was right off the back, because um, in the executive summary, it says that Agile development, once a predominantly team-based practice, is grabbing the attention of the business. Stop. That statement alone tells me we have a problem, because aren't we talking about, like, going back to the manifesto, the, you know, the business should work with the development team on a daily basis, yes? Of course. So yes. if we are here in the ninth year of the State of Agile survey, 14 years after the manifesto was signed at Snowbird, and we're simply now saying that we're grabbing the attention of the business, uh, what gives?
2: And not there was silence. Okay. <laughs> so Silence is deafening. Yeah. Okay. Not so a lot, not a lot for, for what they, I, I think that what that shows is that it's a meaningless statistic. It's 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 not tracking anything. It's not showing anything. It's just you know like they've thrown out some questions that have are not actually getting to a particular goal, and, and and throwing them out there like they actually mean something and they don't.
0: Yeah. Well, the other one is it's funny. This this year's state of agile survey found found that more companies and bigger companies are scaling and embracing agile as part of the larger vision to deliver software faster, easier, and smarter. I guess I guess scaling is a trend. I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit because there's a whole page about scaling. But who, who cares? I mean, again, you're delivering. Who cares if you're in a big organization or a small organization? You're delivering. I mean...
2: Well, there was another statistic that, around like you, uh, uh, the percentage of, of of teams that were running in an, ag- an Agile way. You know, like they were oh. surveying companies that that are that are huge and they've got two teams that are they're agile and they're responding in a way that that is representative of a a 20,000 yeah a 20,000 company uh 20,000 employee company and they may have five people that are actually executing uh, an agile practice. Well well that was my question too that and I think
0: I think we talked about this last year cuz I'm page 6 so kudos to Natalie for pulling us forward this for those that are interested, this survey is 16 pages, so we're on page six. Hopefully, we'll make it through tonight without too much too much time. But it, there's a big chart I'm holding up here. I printed it out. I'm old school. It says 94% of all organizations are practicing Agile. What? Lies and untruths. No, no.
2: How do you assess that? <laughs> what does that mean is my question. Well, that goes back to my qu- whole question about who are they surveying? Because they are certainly leads, people that they know that have that that even have an interest in this. It can't be a representation of all companies doing software development. It's just impossible.
1: It's someone that has also been coming coming to the conferences, right? Well, of course, those people are going to be people that are already interested in Agile in the first place. Well,
0: covers for the, the most be, part. Or to be fair, V One does promote this through channels other than the conference. Um, I know. In the past, we've talked about. I believe. Well, that's why I know because I've received it. And being on a V1, being a V1 user at one point in my in my past, that they do kind of solicit it to users and stuff. So, I, you could say the, the sample again is probably somewhat skewed, especially when you get to some of the data at the very end of the survey. But let me ask this question for you guys: If we were so, let's go back to that hypothetical goal we set for ourselves last year that we failed miserably that because we never we dropped the ball on it. If we were to provide some guidance to people to say, how would you assess if an organization is practicing Agile, how, what, what criteria would we recommend?
1: That's really tough.
0: I mean, obviously, is this, cause this is where people start. And again, these evil things are out there too. We've talked about it. Let's break out our Agile maturity model. Woo! That's so subjective though. Well, yeah, or guess what? If, cause later on they talk about practices. So I have one team somewhere in my organization that's having a stand-up meeting. Does that mean I'm agile?
1: Well now we're we're getting Ew. into the yeah <laughs> we're getting into the uh uh the bad habit of equating agile with certain practices.
0: Well, yeah, and that's where I, I so I think that
1: We it's hard to tally numbers when when agile is more of a of a mindset and a uh uh, than it is a certain number of practices
0: well and i guess as we you know as we have all lived this and and, and to be fair i guess we're you know we're kind of being critical here because i see i see opportunities to this could be better i think one of the things they're going for and actually i will i want to give some appreciation to version one because one thing they are doing here is they are saying you know what a lot of people are practicing some type of agile so if you happen to be in an organization that has said no i won't do it
2: guess what pretty much everyone else is. So Natalie, what do you got? Well I was just gonna say I think that that part of this feeds into and is probably a broader discussion, but the the practice does not equate to the value. And so just doing a certain practice that is that is associated with I, with agile does not mean that everybody that's doing that practice understands the value and is getting the value out of that and so to to say that somebody's doing stand up or they're doing retros or they're doing demos means absolutely nothing unless they understand the value and they're getting the value out of that practice
0: well what's funny again later on the survey one of the pages as i leaf through this extensive documentation they, they talk about how to how to assess agile? Yeah, what? How is success measured? And they got a they got a whole page on it coming up. But what they don't say is that is that are they reporting that the ninety four percent here is based upon all of these success factors? I mean, that's kind of where. Because I think right, they're saying, hey, if you're if you're since it's also on page four, if you're a leader, guess what? Everyone's doing agile. You should think about it. Check us out. we Version Water. Listen
2: to that this Agile Life podcast. You know and. I. Uh, are you talking about the benefits of agile? No, i the, just... the 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 long list of things that have like apparently everybody has got this shit down. Oh,
0: okay. So again, Natalie, Natalie's going to get an award for me tonight because she's she's pulling us forward to page seven. So I, I think page six here we've kind of again. They, and I know we, I know we've talked about this in the past. I, again, I have... One thing I think that, again, we probably, I want to make sure version one, if they do listen to us, and we we do a friends of you on that listen to this Agile Life. This is a good tool. I mean, this this is what the community needs, because you know what? It gets people talking and thinking, and something that's good about this survey is, you know what, it is, there's some data that maybe doesn't make sense, or maybe that not everyone agrees with, but that makes us think about what matters. So again, there's, there's value here. I think 94% of people doing Agile, that's... I'd love to know what that really means. So, so Natalie, you want to talk about the long list of, of reasons for adopting agile on page seven? Is that where you're going?
2: Yeah. So there's the, actually the next two pages, both seven and eight have uh, the company experience and adoption, and then the following page of the benefits of agile and, and the evaluation of that. Um, Reasons for adopting Agile: Accelerate product delivery is number one. Enhance ability to manage changing priorities is number two, and increase productivity is number three. Uh, you can people can look at the rest of them as they like. Um, accelerate product delivery. I don't know anybody that's gone through an agile transformation. What's the first thing that happens?
1: It it suddenly goes slower for a while. <laughs>
0: Yeah the, the or, or from safe this is where i know i I've, I've used the metaphor before oh the release train derailed we have to go right. pick, we have to go pick up the cars and the the nuclear waste that's spilling out into the lake so
2: so so this is time based right i mean it's it's this needs to be a little bit more sort of like looking at the the experience of the, the adoption is What happens in the first year? What happens in the second year? What happens in the third year? It's a progressive and iterative approach. Yeah, that'd be
0: really cool to see. Like, you know, like again, it's like a follow on question in the survey. Like, now that you've answered that you think Agile helps you accelerate, how, you know, what's your time period that you're basing that recommendation on? So, what are the people that say is the greatest reasons of adopting Agile in the first year? You know, it's like, like, so a thing, if if you're married, or even in any kind of relationship, think about that like, hey, what's the greatest thing about the first year of your relationship with someone? OK, what's the greatest thing about your 10th year of that relationship with someone?
2: I bet they're drastically different, right? There's And there's also with that in particular, there's a leadership tolerance that you need to think about and and you know like that's that's not reflective here there's this it, like i said earlier it is so subjective and it, every transformation in a company is based on what the current culture is based on on where you want to go and what your tolerance is for you know sort of this this fuzziness that happens uh to to where you can get to a you know high performing teams that are executing and delivering
0: so here's one thing I do I have to admit I really do like about page 7 is what I like about page 7 is it's a, it does draw the focus of really our community here to saying guess what all of these things that are on page 7 you can measure with quantitative metrics Many organizations team either at the team level or at the org level choose not to measure any of this stuff. And then they have no idea what's going on and they have no idea how to actually assess if adopting agile is providing value. So they didn't get to the specifics here of the metrics. They do that a little bit later on. But again, this is where I'm saying, if you you read this list, this is where I would say have a follow-on conversation with whoever is supporting you in an agile transformation and say, how could I measure product delivery? You know, maybe it's, how many? How frequently do I push an update to the App Store? If you're doing consumer mobile or something, and and some simple metrics where guess what? If we if we are trying to accelerate product
2: delivery, we should see more frequent updates going out. You know that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the metrics, which is a, a personal sort of mission of mine on the side at the moment, is that, I agree. Be me, trying to measure something is great. But make sure you're measuring the right thing uh, is is key, and that and that's where it, uh, there needs to be some discussion around that because some of these I don't think you know actually are are truly measurable metrics that are giving are providing value. Like what? Give me an example. If, I mean,
0: out of the categories.
2: So, what do you think improve engineering discipline means?
0: I would think a couple things about that Um, ways you could measure that quantitatively. I know we've talked about it before. It's a, I recommend it as a, as a practice. Although Lee, you may or may not agree some type of out of the box code complexity analysis of how cleans the code, how much repetitions in the code, you know, are we aligning to design patterns, you know, take your build, put a tool on it, get some data, look at it. So, uh, things like that.
1: Uh, okay, so I see where you're going with this. And I, I do have to say that while I don't disagree with uh, collecting the metrics, how metrics are used and the understanding of uh, exactly the flaws, uh, the error rates, and, and uh, what that's actually going to do, um, whether it's really measuring, that's really important. And if you, you float those up to the management level, I can almost guarantee you that they will not be used correctly.
0: Well, that's true because again, high fidelity metrics at the team level should be kind of, I want to say, aggregated to roll up. But even like another one for engineering discipline is, uh, you know, think about, uh, here, here's more of a process metric for the scrum masters listening to us that's not technical, is the number of stories where significant rework is identified during code review. If, so the team's doing a code review, mainly because people on the team don't understand the coding standard, So they have to block the card, kick the card back, whatever, add a new card. You can detect that in your agile tool. I'm sure you can detect it in version one. And at that point, guess what? As a team, we look at that in our retro. What do we need to learn? So we don't have to keep redoing stuff. You know, that's a, that's an engineering discipline thing. So you can measure it. I got a question though about page seven while we're on it. If we're which I, I'm curious to you guys, is that it, there's a little blurb about distributed agile teams.
1: Yeah, I saw this one too. Go ahead.
0: Well, so here's my question. And I've, I've hit this before, and I'm going to be honest. I think people use that as an excuse. It's like, because guess what? It, look at us. We're doing a podcast. We're, it's like we're talking to each other like we're in the same room. We are, we are all in the same metropolitan area, but we are separated by many miles. And we've had people on this podcast, like we had a uh, Renee Trouton on here from Australia, separated by many miles. So this whole idea of if you're distributed, I think people make they manufacture excuses by saying, oh, we're distributed. We need to do things differently. And I think as a community, we just stop doing that. We just say we work together and we use the technology and the things out there to make us be able to have that co-located experience. End of discussion.
2: I would totally agree with that. I mean, none of us have actually met each other in person. I have met you through other This Agile Life podcasters, but I feel like I could say anything and I feel comfortable talking with you. And that is because we have made an effort to do so. And that that is, I think, the key. So
1: um, my only issue with this is that I do think that The times when I'm at a co-located team, I get way better communication than when we have to go through other tools. And so I do think that that communication suffers if you have to to have an intermediary, even an electronic one, even a really good one.
0: Yeah, but this is where, again, that's what I'm saying is people use that as an excuse. And instead, I say you got to use it as to make a commitment to saying we're going to make this work. And so I don't know if that means, I mean… You could, again, we use Skype for this podcast. Uh, I'm sure that big telco companies like Cisco can sell you some really high end, you know, telepresence gear if you want to invest in it. Uh, But you got to commit to saying we're going to make it work and we're not going to start our stand up until the video's up and
2: no negotiation. So are you going to get to a point where we need bio readouts as we're talking with people, so that people know whether I'm I'm stressed talking to you right now, so that you can get that feeling? I don't I don't think so. I'm I'm joking, totally joking. What are you me. talking about? But you got Apple, you got an Apple Watch? <laughs> no, I do not. I'm serious.
0: <laughs> I haven't bought that far in,
2: dude. The, the get whole
0: the, get Apple, the, Apple thing. Get to Apple Watch. Go to the Apple Health app, and then look at like your daily histogram of your heart rate which it tracks so you can look at and I, and then look at, put some timelines on it. Hey, what happened at 945 in the morning? Oh, that was when Ops called and said we had a Sev 1. Crap. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're, put it this way. Like, like, Lee and I work for a dev company, and we got a lot of Apple Watches floating around there, and there's a lot of data being collected, but you could start to do some very interesting things like, You know, like if you have like a critical outage, like at your organization, what what is the pulse of this organization right now? Like, What's their stress level?
2: Have you seen? uh, So Wimbledon did this. They handed out uh, biometric readouts. And this is part of like what our company does it's all done through our orchestrate group where they they had the readout of wimbledon i'm sorry i'm totally geeking out on something no, else. It's, but, but you could look you go to this website jaguar.wimbledon.com and you could see the readout of wimbledon so like when things were happening this group like whether their heart rates go up or their excitement levels go up
0: i mean i tell say i'd tell you know like um Oh, Adobe's got some product and they got product and service in that space where like as part of the digital practice, like they're saying, you know, because how to have an integrated content strategy where they push content that's that's time sensitive and they measure all types of, put this way, because of things like Apple Watch, the analytics have now really started to become more biometric. So it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, but I, I saw some of those metrics for Wimbledon and it just went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I don't I couldn't.
0: Ah, ha, ha. like the cats watching, right? Lee back and forth. <laughs> Alright, well let's let's go forward here. Let's let's go on to some of the let's see. Oh let's... here's a photo. Let's go to page nine. So um this this I know we've always talked about scrum Bot, is the top five agile techniques. So uh, let's Let's, let's, um, if you have kids, you'll be familiar to this. What do we think is the number one agile technique in practice?
1: That's not fair. We're sitting here looking at the page.
0: No, no, this is where you get, you don't have kids that watch Dora, like where there's a pause so your kids can talk back to the TV.
1: Oh, oh, sorry.
0: Oh,
2: come Codependent Dora that can't make a decision and has to ask everybody else to make her. it for her.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> I think codependent Dora might be involved in some agile transformations some places, you know. <laughs> anyway, so what do what do we think that could be? And the survey says, ding
2: ding 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 ding. Scrum.
1: Daily stand up.
0: Daily stand up. So that hasn't changed. Actually, I think that's been the consistent the whole time they've done this. uh I mean, what do we think about this list? I'm just
1: well I, my first thought at looking at this list is that uh, the first thing that I see that actually gets to the developer level, really um, is retrospectives, which is like five down on the list.
0: Well, but it, but So yes,
1: you're involved developers are involved in these other things, but they're all about project management here.
0: Well, and if you have to watch our video of this cuz we have such awesome visuals this week. I have to pay my respects to Amos because we have the what I what I would call the annual Amos bar where the most common method, method uh, agile methodology used is of course. Oh, we're waiting for we're waiting for one to answer, right? Okay. The big bar is scrum. scrum. So I think that's a, and to be fair, Scrum has progressed and they now have started to recommend and talk about the value of the engineering practices. But Scrum is still pretty much got to you have your stand up meeting, got to write your stories, groom your backlog. And I think because of the, the predominance of Scrum people that took the survey, that's why the data is skewed. Now and, we,
1: and actually, if you uh, if you look at the first two bars, there the second one is Scrum slash XP hybrid. So you end up with two thirds of the of the respondents using some form of Scrum.
2: I and I, I think what feeds into that is a is a few things. Scrum is certainly the most consumable way for non agile people to get their feet wet. Absolutely, it's there. It's prescriptive. There's yeah. guardrails. It's agile in the can... box. Open it up. Play with it. It's a toy. Right and it's 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 a starting point uh, and the the second part of that is that scrum or agile will eliminate some roles and we're still human and we want to help people feel like they're still useful so i think that that that's why it it is so appealing for many people to adopt that because it between being consumable and accessible, it also is a soft way of saying, you're no longer needed. <laughs> Ouch.
0: Yeah, you know, the, and the other thing I just want to throw out there that I think is interesting, you know, because there's a if you look across all these methodologies they surveyed, you know, there's Scrum, there's Scrum slash XP, Hybrid, there's custom hybrid, then there's Scrum Bon. So there's a lot of kind of Scrum flavor there. I don't think like that is that's not necessarily bad. I think that's the way we get started. But here's I have an ask for our listeners in particular, uh, just to just to mention. I, I, I we mentioned in the show notes last week. So Natalie and myself and Matt Corwell. We'll all be at Agile 2015 in Washington, D.C. in August Um, in August of 2015. So if you're someone that took this survey and, like, answered, like, we use a custom hybrid methodology that comprises multiple methodologies, we would love to talk to you because I would just love to know what you're doing. I, I just – every year I see the these answers and, like, we're in some kind of, like, homegrown brew, and I, I would just love to know what, what that is.
1: So I, we should, I also – I also like the uh, the definition of single team down there. Um, it has in parentheses beside it, integrated dev and testing. Apparently, those are the only two members of the team. Is You're either a dev or you're a tester.
0: Well, that's right, so, because John fired all the product owners, all the scrum masters, all the BAs. So that's obviously, I think that those are the people that had with John
2: Sextro. Because ah. he has no soul, and he doesn't <laughs> care about doing a soft kind of like no and need you
0: <laughs> so the other one it's funny something i was surprised that didn't make it onto this survey anywhere this year is because the, the survey is was largely based a lot of the responses are the same from year to year so they can do the correlation but they didn't talk anything about engagement which in the um in the management community that's the big push now because they say how do you keep how do you prevent from using um from how do you prevent employees from leaving and like the three of us, we're from St. Louis, Missouri in the States. We have a highly volatile labor market in our local in our local community right now where there's a lot of growth going on. The demand for basically anyone who is involved in IT, if you're a dev, if you're a tester, if you're a coach, the demand for help greatly exceeds the supply of talent. So management's very interested in engagement. And that didn't come up as a benefit of Agile because if you do Agile the right way where you empower the team, it promotes engagement. So Again, for next year, I'd love to see a way that we could survey that. And, of course, the practice I have to, of course, promote, which is always like the second for the last, is the beautiful practice of agile games, which only 13% of the people are doing. I actually think that's low because I would now I'll ask you, what's a game? When you see this, what would you consider an agile game?
2: So I, there, there's so many. Uh, there's a game that I like to mess with the team and just play a game to try and demonstrate a point. Uh, or there's a, we've been playing Get Bum with, uh, with teams and just to see if they, they learn something from that. So there's a whole host of things that I think that you can use to actually teach teams concepts and whether they choose to adopt them or not is it really does you know like in in, in the case where I'm at uh, is up to the team, but uh, you've got to expose them to different ways of thinking and approaching different ideas. I I do believe that that is low, but I think that's indicative of the the survey group. I think these are people that are. They're not doing, ag- they, 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 well, They no, they are doing Agile. They're not being Agile. They've decided that it is advantageous for them to be a company that is Agile. They're not doing this because they believe it is the best way to, to conduct their day-to-day business.
0: Lee, what do you think? Uh,
1: I think I was looking at the causes of Agile. Uh, project failure. Uh, Lee was oh, these so are, was, Lee's
0: pulling us forward. I was just say because so Natalie, your definition of an agile game is very much I want to say um, I'm going to call it hardcore. Like hey, we're going to go in the conference room and break out Russ Healy's game or Demonica the De Grandis's game for DevOps, or I'm going to show up with the Lego, you know, and do that almost for I want to say a training or learning benefit. I'm questioning if when people answer this question, like if you're doing something like speedboat in your retrospective. Because I would consider that's a game because it's immersive, it's visual, it's transparent, it gets people talking, It's it can be a little bit of fun. It's like, I'm going to throw a bomb and sink the speedboat. I question if people answered that because I, I think that that number is higher. I hope it is. If not, as a community, we should make
2: it higher. So how many of us out there actually make up new games, new retro games? new 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 ways to teach a concept I and that of, i'm not a good sample i kind of help plan a conference where that's what we all we do so right <laughs> so and and i think that but but i ask that for exactly that point as agile coaches or leaders in in this movement that's what you do right you find different ways to explain the same concept because people do, learn differently and uh and that's where if if pe- if that's that number is so low people the the ones that are teaching it to them are not getting through because they're repeating the same tired old processes
0: yeah and, and i was it's funny because i would Good say point. i would wonder if there's a correlation then between that and like again a, a large number of beginners taking the survey but it seemed like going back it's I remember like, I think two years ago, we were kind of, we noticed that there were a lot of beginners that took the survey, right? You know, looking at their data, the survey is at least a little bit more distributed now where it's kind of equal, but who knows? So bottom line is go go play a game if you haven't played one, and if you, if you like them, maybe go figure out how to build one if you want to learn how to do it. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'll Yeah, do go
1: it. to Agile Games Conference. Or better, yeah.
0: Yes! <laughs> <laughs> come try my no sleep guarantee, or uh, sorry, no fall asleep guarantee. at adds 2015, where I've issued a I guarantee that if you come to my session on Friday morning after the party, where we're going to talk about games and play fire dice, you will not fall asleep, guaranteed. Please stay up all night and party, and then come to the conference, come to the session. You will not fall asleep, guaranteed. So. all right. So going on. Um, what's next? Ooh, I got a good one. Lee, what what do you see on page ten? Anything?
1: On page 10, I think it's interesting that the barriers that they have, barriers to further agile adoption, the top one is ability to change organizational culture, 44%. And I think I think that's uh, telling in some way.
0: Well, and, and I'll share. I liked that that was a top one, and I put a star by it because I think it's way higher than 44%. Yeah. Because I think we're talking about especially... It varies from vertical to vertical and market to market, but agile, where we talk about collective, you know, shared work, no heroes, sustainable process. If we're, you know, we shouldn't have to call people in on the weekend, you know, that kind of stuff, which some organizations have embraced that and they value it and they incentivize it. And they, again, that it's, it's so deep This change is so interesting. I'll tell you, it's actually easy to have a little bit of success early on and then you can stall. It's like we're stuck, you know, and how do we get beyond that? And you got to wait. It's patience. So I think 44 is a low number there.
1: Well, I also wanted to point to another 44 on this same page Uh, under the leading causes of failed agile products. The top one there was actually lack of experience with agile methods. I think that is a totally lame excuse. Well, why tell me, because um, if just because you lack experience with the methods, that doesn't mean that uh, that, well, maybe it's maybe it's I don't have help along the way. Uh, if you're trying to take these on all by yourself and you're reading a book or, you know, listening to some silly podcast and trying to figure out how to do agile from that, then maybe I could see where this could could come in.
2: Oh right, Natalie, so, what you so um, I'm actually writing a blog about this right now. It's still the the blog is in progress, but it it actually likens uh, people naturally falling into agile practices while gaming without even knowing what agile is. So we have an objective. The objective is to kill the boss. We all die, fail miserably. What do we do? The first thing we do is we come back, we do a retrospective. We talk about what went wrong, how can we do it better? And then we approach it again and rinse and repeat. So this is a human activity. It's not an agile activity. It's not this mystical sort of like source that comes off, you know, like that only a few people know. It it is. It is a natural way of dealing with obstacles in people's lives. For for most people, and it's not everybody, but it's our responsibility to help others that don't have those skills to 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 pull them along and get to that point.
1: That's a really cool uh, cool way to put it. I I'm anxious to to read that blog. But uh, do you guys think that this number is so high because so many of the people that took the survey were uh, doing Scrum, where they focus so heavily on practices? and not on behaviors.
0: Uh, I, I think that that's, I think Lee, I don't agree with that statement. Cause I think what you're saying is somewhat a function of the scrum trainer who showed up for the workshop you went to. Cause I've, I've seen scrum trainers that emphasize, I would say equal time between values and practices. I have seen scrum trainers that are, Hey, Let's just talk about what you actually do, and it's all practices, no values. And I've actually seen a few that are actually more on—I want to say—more of a discovery approach, where let's talk about the values and what makes sense. You guys figure out how to make these practices go. So,
1: I, okay. So, so, so I have—I just have a uh, a a bad a bad view of Scrum that isn't earned, is what you're saying. I,
0: I think, t- to be fair, Scrum. I mean, Scrum is a global movement. It's kind of interesting to look at the posturing between the Scrum Alliance and the Agile Alliance. I think that is, a I want to say, it's kind of a community issue because look at the, I mean, we got the Agile Alliance conference coming up in August twenty fifteen, and you know Scrum just had their big state conference and was in, it was in Phoenix back in June, or sorry May, and they had the one in Shanghai. So, you know, they're like a separate movement almost. It's, I think growing. I mean, to where it's,
2: anyways, now what you got? So I think, uh, so to be brutally honest, I think Scrum is self-serving, right? It it, it is a self-perpetuating. Uh, I am always going to be in this position, and and the way that we've approached it is that that Scrum is a gateway, and eventually you will work yourself out of being needed in that team and if you're doing it right if you're if you're constantly teaching the value why and and the the principles behind it you're not needed in that team you're less yeah. than, you know like you, you become less of a blocker or a dependency for that team because they get it they can run with it they don't need you there that doesn't mean to say that I I, I don't I I actually believe that there is always still a need for an agile guidance coach type of role within an organization because you, there changes happen to teams where they go off track and you need to help guide them back to the path. But but that's where <laughs> the path. You're laughing at me, Jason. Yeah, like, Tell me why.
0: Oh uh, <laughs> just uh, I know a lot about paths lately. It's so. not a religion. No, it's not. So the um it's interesting because one of it does other,
1: have a good bit of dogma, though.
0: The um, as we're talking about the forty fours, though, because Lee's Lee linked them together. I do, I do have one. Looking at them, I do have a theory, and it's it's unfortunately kind of something I think that is a, I want to call it an unfortunate truth of where we are with agile is the fact that forty four percent of people say that they experience failure because they have a lack of experience. I think that is indicative of a critical leadership problem in that we are not comfortable allowing people to fail so they can actually learn what works and what doesn't. So that basically is why we are saying 40%, 44% of our projects fail because of lack of experience, which really to me goes back to that idea of organizational change to saying, you know what? We're going to start something. We're going to try this practice. We're going to try to do this differently. And you know what? We might, we might not be successful. We might lose money. We might have to bail it out. And guess what? Agile is different because we can manage that. We could say it's a small experiment. It's only two weeks of a team's time. So maybe we have to flush that iteration or that sprint down the toilet. But guess what? We didn't invest a year building something. We invested two weeks. So it's okay to fail. And I think if 44% of the people are saying they don't, they have a experience, they're not being allowed to learn by failing, which
1: is a critical problem. So can I ask a question to you guys along the lines of how do we measure success? How do we measure failure? How do we decide when a project is a failed project? Uh, obviously, you could have something where, well, you didn't deliver the product, but I don't know that many projects that don't deliver a product. It may not be the one they wanted. It may not be on time. Uh, all those kind of things. Is is that what they're talking about when they say a project failed? And is that what the respondents of this survey were thinking when you think of why projects fail?
2: My evaluation of that is that uh, the, the number one metric is working software. But... Followed very very closely is working software that somebody actually wants. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so to, to me that that's the number one. That that is the principle. That's what we're all trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, a lot of the discussion that we have right there it goes back to what is the appetite for leadership to to have some leeway. And it has been my experience that without leadership buy in. Agile transformations are challenged or slash doomed to failure. You have to have at some level of very senior leadership, some buy-in. Groundswell movements just don't seem to go well.
0: Well, but, uh, but I think we got to be truthful there, Natalie, because it's, and this comes from, actually, to be fair, I think the best way that this got injected into the Agile community was, for, was through Scaled Agile. And it's really acknowledging the the lean practice from Toyota of effective leadership at all levels relevant for the work at hand. Because, again, I I think we might have all seen those environments where you can have effective, bought in and supportive leadership at the top doing the things that the executives need to do. You can have effective that kind of groundswell, you know, hey, let's try this, these cool new agile things and set up a build server and do pair programming, and all, you know, at the team level and then, based upon the size of the organization you're in, you know, I can, I can reenact my character of the past of Mr. Big Enterprise, you could get stuck where, you know, there's that middle management layer that kind of starts to cause thrashing, and that's tough to navigate, and you gotta have leadership up and down all levels of the org, or flatten the org, or as some people would say, get rid of the org, to empower, to elicit and empower people to
2: change. Middle management is absolutely a, a a key concern in a transformation because they immediately become threatened. Hmm. You you're talking you're talking about taking say a development manager and all of his guys are now on teams where they're responsible for that that particular team's goals and they're removed. They're not part of it. Oh, and. and- and they they start to search for ways to be important. And, and worse,
0: there's this scary, completely always misunderstood thing called self managing
2: teams. Which managers like if the team self manages, what do I do? You know, and ugh. well, and that's where it becomes that. That management truly needs to start re-evaluating their role, but they need guidance in doing so because they now become the proponents for the self-development of each of those individuals, not the day-to-day management of tasks. And that's a switch, uh, you know, like it's a total switch. You now become a proponent for the person. Rather than their day-to-day tasks, and that that can still work if you're if you're actually going to be a person that that starts to look at the individual and their career path, and it's actually more of a management role than just managing. Okay, today do X, Y, Z.
0: But but two things, because keep in mind we're talking about things that Azure needs to be successful, and this is where again you know big crazy you know Mr. Big Enterprise would say. Uh, people may not be empowered to do that, you know? And so, and and on top of that, there's also, and this is another unfortunate truth. Sometimes you've got a person where for this to be successful, you know, Natalie, to what you're saying, they need to grow and they need to emerge into the, doing the exact things that you're talking about, which is really serving people. And unfortunately, sometimes there's people in that middle middle management level that, that aren't equipped to do that or aren't motivated to do that. And, that's sad because, again, it's a great opportunity. I think all of us on this podcast like doing it. But to be respectful,
2: some, some people out there don't get that, you know? And so, well, yeah, they weren't hired to be that kind of manager. They were hired to be a different kind. Yeah. And that's where, you know, like it comes down to some fairly brutal discussions of are you, you know, given the direction you're going, are you still the right mix for the company?
0: Yeah. And so I, I think that I, I think it's funny because that's that goes back to full circle on this, this organizational change where sometimes to achieve organizational change, if you I mean, again, do a root cause analysis. What are your impediments? And I mean, it's unfortunate that many times there are people in the organization who technically because of just who they are and their impediments, it's it's tough. So.
2: All right, so what's our next one? Because we're we're, 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 we're almost out of
0: time. We're almost out of time. I right, we go past. You that? Know I,
2: I, I you know, I want to get to uh, what was the one scaling I, I, agile. You want to get to scale? I, I did I <laughs> skip that? Oh no! Well, let's talk about this. This, this is on. Uh, let's page talk about page th-
0: page twelve. How do we measure success on a day-to-day basis? And the number one answer is. An imaginary number divided by an arbitrary amount of work. Velocity. Okay.
2: Oh, don't anchor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, Jim Benson. Um, I don't have anything to say for that. Just please. I mean, velocity. Velocity is like I don't know. I, would I be? Uh, am I going a limit? Some people again, Jim Benson would say zero value in the practice because it's all made up. And I, I, I think velocity is a very it's a very coarse grained metric. I think if a T wants to check velocity and, and use it for kind of a, a day-to-day health check or maybe a sprint-to-sprint, fine. Keep it simple. Count stories. Don't use it for anything beyond that because there are better things you should measure like cycle time. Um, we could do a whole podcast on that. <laughs>
2: So no, I, 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 actually agree with cycle time and we've got a couple of teams that are actually tracking points and cycle time. And it's kind of funny the way that both of those correlate.
1: Yeah. It's say, say more about that, Natalie. I'm curious.
2: So we, uh, there's one team in particular that has been tracking this for quite some time and, and they've, uh, you know, the person that is leading that team is both be, da, uh, practiced Kanban methods as well as Scrum. And what I'm seeing from their metrics is that regardless of story complexity, size, whatever, it, it, the number of cards and the number of points are very, very close. Uh, I, quite honestly, I just saw these today. And I want to learn more about why it is uh, the case. But I think that that it comes down to, my guess is a story is a story. And the team has a capacity for a certain amount of items to come through. And it becomes a story. A story is just a story. It doesn't matter what the the story points are associated with it. But that is a high level guess. Do
1: you think the stories that they're creating are generally uh, the same Similar size? In size? Yes.
2: Yeah. I think that, and, and with a yep. mature team, you see that, right? They all tend to, like, they naturally seem to break down stories to a certain level. And that's where the team becomes comfortable with, yes, we can consume that. And then then the the estimation becomes irrelevant because it's the number of people of uh, cards that they get through in any given iteration. Yeah, and that, and
0: just yep. awareness that's been studied by, actually I think it's been studied and published by Troy McGinnis as part of his probabilistic forecasting model about, it's really from the law of natural numbers that just talks about how as a team develops a mental model, that just happens. He even says yep. it happens as soon as the, as soon as you have 12 data points. So um, yeah.
2: Well, and it's always as a, as a coach, it's always that, that, you know, like that awesome moment that where you see, the team like you know where you go from those torturously long estimation sessions to those like everybody just everyone's like you get the the trifecta where everybody holds up the same amount of uh, you know like the same amount of fingers for the points on the card and they and they all kind of go like oh wow we we kind of get each other now so yeah
0: okay so it's, i got i got some real life advice here from version one and this is this is interesting um Because in on this podcast in the past and just there's been lots of blogs out there, Um, I know when we had Renee Trout on, she talked about this is that how sometimes in the agile coaching field, you know we're challenged to say what value do we provide as coaches, right? Who's experienced this? Yes, we have. And what I think is interesting is what is the primary metric we're using to measure success? A imaginary number about an arbitrary amount of work velocity. Okay. What I think is fascinating about this list, real life, is that I you guys know I do a lot, I do a lot of portfolio stuff. The metrics that we always that that business stakeholders, every time we do a portfolio inception and we say, Well, how are we going to measure the success and the ROI from our investments in this portfolio? Guess what we do? Go from the bottom up. Things that we always end up building out instrumentation for product utilization. Are people actually using the product and the features? How does each feature we deploy impact revenue? Okay. How do we retain customers? I go from the bottom, the value, the relative value of each epic we complete or each feature, a flow diagram to show me progress and show me throughput, you know, scope chain. I mean, literally, if you want to know what to measure really at any level, take this list, start from the bottom up. <laughs> I'm serious. This is, I mean, I've said this at conferences. We don't measure enough and or we don't measure enough. That's my statement. And when we do measure, we measure the wrong things. This is data that proves it. We measure all these things that are based upon made up numbers. And you can't use that for any type of scientific guidance. And so stop doing that. Thank you, version one, for making this transparent. If anyone <laughs> should do it, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do a lightning talk on this at the Agile conference because this is fascinating. Um. This is so, this is good data. This is actually a good thing in the survey. So thank. Okay, enough. I'll shut up.
1: Good, good data because it's reversed.
0: Well, if, no, I think if this is again. Use the information we have discovered, Lee, on this podcast. Where sometimes and at all the agile conferences, there's always like an open space meetup about. Oh, as agile coaches, we need to come together and figure out as a community how do we justify our existence. I mean, that that's always there. Okay, um, sorry, it's is there and it's important because there's a lot of value to this profession. People who who have invested heavily their careers and their personal brands in agile coaching. Again, some some people goes out, you know, people think a scrum master is a coach. That's not a true statement. Uh, This is symptomatic to say that as a community, this is the best thing in the story that says we are not measuring the right things. And hence, we are then we are choosing our own fate where we then have to answer these weird questions about the value we provide. If as a community we measure the right things or even if as a coach, guess what? you measure the right things for the clients you're supporting. I'm going to hypothesize you're not going to have a problem saying what value do you provide helping them improve. So anyways, if you want to talk so, more about it, connect with me. We should to, do to be this fair, on Twitter.
1: To be fair, page 11 talks about agile success and metrics. How is success measured with agile initiatives? And they do have product quality Customer satisfaction, business value—they're all within the top four. Now, number one is on-time delivery, but still, those things that you're talking about yeah, are high up there. But that's
0: messed up too, Lee, because you know what this means. That, again, what this is now fine. When did we take these measurements on page eleven? At the end of the project, whatever. No, guess what? If we want to measure success to this, right? Way, What does Agile tell us? We want a fast feedback loop. So, you know what? Guess what? Page 11, rip it up. You don't need it. Okay. For fun. I I rip it up real life. I'm ripping it up. Okay. This is the best episode ever this Agile life. So, page 12 measure, set yourself up to measure every day. And guess what? To be fair to V1, they make a tool that does it. There's other tools that do it. Make sure you got data that you can make decisions on a day to day basis so you can pivot as you need to. Natalie, say something. We're moving on.
2: So yeah, I I need to add a couple of things. Okay, there. let me I have just, it. Let just a have, couple. Let me have it. Like if you can calm yourself down. Oh. <laughs> so on the agile coaching, there's certainly a growing trend out there. If you're looking at a job post, no, Mister Employer, I'm not looking for another job. But there is a growing trend for people to be have a have a primary skill in X and be an agile coach it's no longer there uh, there's the trend seems to be going away from just being an agile coach this is uh, coaching is beginning is, is going to become a plus skill it's not going to be the one and only that is my belief um feel free to why, why? do
0: you think that's where we've kind of lost the war and the the space no. of- The the space of people that call themselves coaches is is kind of bloated with people that don't know what they're doing and they
2: kind of tarnish the, the nature of the work. So in some aspects, that could be the case. But in as far as losing the war, I think it's a complete opposite. It's winning the war. This is an ingrained practice that it's not it's not something that you you need to constantly have somebody telling you what to do. You actually just do it. Well, or like you said, it's a mindset.
0: So and maybe you need I mean, something that like the firm that Lee and I work for, we actually have some metrics on like we see that there's the need for like a coach to kind of maybe help get a team going. But then one of the things that coach does is effectively you should have yourself be out of a job, you know, and like, yes, move on. And and if you're plus, if you're in corporate and you're a large corporation, I, I, th- I mean, if I'm wrong, now, that's kind of what you do, where guess what? You you get a team going, you get you ramp them up, you help them. You implement, help them understand it, implement, you know, good practices supported by that support agile values and you get them going. You say I'm done and then you move on to the next new project or new yep. team, right?
2: Right. but And I think that there's a threshold uh, with the size of a company and the base level of expertise is that at any time a team can change drastically based on one team member coming in, or a change in direction, and all of a sudden you're back to storming, and you've got to start all over again and and build that team up. So, so th- there's considerations in all of that. I don't want to just wipe that away, but but the trend I'm seeing in general is that that agile coaching is going to be a plus one skill. It's not necessarily the only skill. The other thing around metrics um is something that I think that that uh, we are certainly starting to focus on more. Um, it, it, metrics, just for metrics' sake, is nothing, and it, and it's developing that discussion around what's, what are meaningful metrics, which is basically all that we've been talking about tonight. Are these meaningful? Do they help us? Do they give us information that we can make decisions on, move forward on, and and the discussions that we're having, are discussions that teams should be having, like we're collecting metrics X. What does it do for us? Is it really valuable? Should we continue to co- to collect it? So I think that this translates into conversations that need to be I, I, happening in teams. I got one that's fascinating because I, I
0: guess I'm, I, I'm as a hobby, I'm a health guy. You guys know I do yoga. Like you know, because like uh, one of the new fads out there. Actually, it's a good practice thing for pe- teams doing mobile. Is you know they put like their crash analytics up in their team area. So how many people are using our app right now live? When was the last time our app crashed? How many app crashes do we had today? I'd love to see, you know, again, if everyone's got that Apple Watch, as that data trends, how does that impact the physiology of the people on the team?
1: Or, or, or if you want a cheaper solution, you can get pretty much any number of about 100 other uh, Android watches that have been out for a few years. Whatever.
0: Bam! It's all, it's all about the brand, man. <laughs> it's all about the brand. Sorry. So, okay, so I think we, well, number one, you guys hang with us. We're we're running long here, but I hope you find this interesting. Remember, this is a podcast. You can pause it, okay? So, you know, take a break if you need to. It's like that whole run derby. <laughs> Be like Prince Fielder. Take your time out and go eat cotton kind of candy if you need to. Um,
2: so basically, I, I really need us to go into Scaling Agile. Yes, and then we I'm, need to. I'm just going to phone it in from there.
0: Oh, you are? Are you gonna? Are you gonna be like Prince Fielder and just knock it out of the Great American Ballpark at the at the at the Home Run Derby? All right, so all right, so here comes Natalie. She's coming to the plate. We're gonna start throwing her some easy balls. Is she gonna whack it out of the Great American Ballpark? Okay, well, let us have it. What, Natalie? What is what it, the what is the what it, state of scaled agile?
2: First off, what is baseball? What's that game? <laughs> oh, I think you call it cricket, right? <laughs> oh, cricket. Yes. More boring than golf. Uh, Scaling Agile. So my question to everybody is, this just a goddamn excuse to come up with some pithy fricking acronym that will sound really cool and look good on some kind of icon and you can sell it to dopey ass people that don't know any better. Such as, let's read them off, shall we? Let's start with safe. Whoa, whoa. This is really safe.
0: So the first one it says is Scrum and Scrum of Scrums.
2: Well, no, but yeah, that... Uh okay like we'll there, are, do scrum. there are an
1: awful lot of acronyms on here though
2: no but the ones that actually call out their acronym that's the okay. ones that i'm going to so scrum and scrum and scrums don't come up with an acronym okay and then it goes. But safe certainly does
0: well and again just again advertise uh, if you're going to agile 2015 and you are using one of these internally created methods that actually probably works we would love to talk to you just because i i think that that would be interesting so okay so natalie let's talk about acronym soup go for it
2: safe So this just invokes a feeling of like, oh, warm and fuzzies, I want to use it, it's going to make me safe, I'll keep my job, I'm not taking any risks, I'm like just going to, this is going to be a walk in the park. I'm safe. Well, a walk in the park, you could get like, you know, hijacked and, you know.
0: Natalie is moonlighting as as a branding consultant now, so... (laughs)
2: You know, I heard there's
0: this guy, Dean Leffingwell, you know, he might be looking for some guidance on positioning.
2: <laughs> the next one that has an acronym is uh, Agile Pro- Portfolio Management, APM, bleh, whatever. The, what, but, I actually respect that, that, the fact that it doesn't try and mean something else.
0: Well, that, but see, that's not prescriptive. That, that to me is a collection of practices where I think version one put an acronym on it. But there's not a brand. I mean, there's no brand name on that. Like, like safe is a brand. The the ones you're gonna talk about next are branded and um t- uh, okay right? like so like, yeah well like and it like, says here enterprise agile ten percent what what the heck is that <laughs> do we know what it is well to me that's an internally created method it's the same as enterprise scrum. Well, yeah, and how's that different from Scrum? So, and maybe maybe someone will call our bluff on this, and maybe maybe there's a white paper that someone's published that says this is what the sacred practice of Enterprise Agile is, and <laughs> and
2: we are don't know about it, but uh, so we are essentially clueless right now. I think that
0: you're kind of going back to plus play. So I I seized on the velocity stat in this, which I think is again symptomatic of a problem in the community that we're not measuring the right things i think here you're you're seizing on the fact that we're we're kind of creating complexity and frameworks for the purpose of creating complexity and frameworks when in reality we should be focusing on you know having a vision of where we're going and making small incremental steps to achieve improvement yep and at that point guess what I think in real life, what this graph is gonna look like in ten years when we when we when we get good at this as a community, is that a hundred percent of anyone who says they're scaling agile is probably doing some type of what I'm gonna call a hybrid method, which is a combination of just maybe some of, you know, things that work that got wired together within the context of what an organization actually needed.
2: So Thank you. And I totally agree. So I'm going to start the next one with the sentence of, we're doing dad. How does that sound?
1: That sounds kind of dirty.
2: <laughs> so this is disciplined, awkward, <laughs> um, agile delivery, but that's being dad or doing dad.
0: Well, but you know it's funny
2: and I, and I oh crap I need to let me I'll do I'll
0: if I I'll put this on Twitter or if I can find it as you're talking there was a guy at Big Apple Scrum Day from Rally I forget his name he's one of the rally coaches uh, who did like a comparative analysis of all of these like he had a tr- it, was fa- it was fast it was fast because these frameworks actually recommend different things if you put them up side by side which I think is a great place to get some ideas yep. for your organization so guess what if you're Say I want to scale Agile, and you've never looked at anything other than Save. Stop. Go. Go look around because there are some other ideas out there. Or if you've done Dad and haven't looked at safe, go look around. Or again, go go to BigAppleScrumDay.org and find this guy's paper. That I, I sat in the firm I said like, this is awesome. I, I was probably the only guy enjoying the session because I'm into this stuff. But but yeah. So so what's the last one we have up here?
2: Well, actually, we have we have two more. Because the next one is that you can you can advertise that you're less, which is large scale Scrum. And they they've chosen their acronym to be less. So we're less. That's that's the second last one. So it's the a last. It's a lightweight method. <laughs> no, but who is who is going to advertise that they're less? I don't know. Right, and then the next one would be rage We're rage i like that one i want well i i'm not surprised Jason. i like that one I,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm bumming that should have been mine yeah
2: and what's funny is it, it
0: that's a white paper that looks like it, it was it dropped in 2013 and it's kind of gone dormant and it has one percent of the sur- of the sample here so i wonder like if the one person who authored that white paper maybe filled out the survey so and what and, and let me ask you this what's missing there is, a new, there is a, a new kid on the block that does have some traction that's not even here. What is that? It is the one and only, superior to all of these Agile methods, Enterprise Service Planning, ESP, by the one and only David <laughs> J. Anderson.
2: <laughs> I guess my... And I, he's got his own big
0: picture, and he's got his own collection of vendors uh, that are building tooling to support it and so it's not even on the radar chart here but guess what it's out there everybody
2: he, and he's pushing it so um and there's some good things about it so i guess where my rage comes from all of this and not my rage as in recipes for agile governance in the enterprise that not not that kind of rage is that uh that all of these further the practice of saying if you're not doing this you're not doing the right thing. And and I want people to think independently and evaluate their practices and say, this doesn't work for us because of X, Y, and Z, whatever. We're going to try this. Or better, and not all of a sudden say, well, we're no longer agile. Or better yet, going back to the last one, this is
0: how this change impacts our bottom line. You can measure that. People say, I can't. No. Yes, you can. You got it. Put this way. John wants to fire all the BAs. You got some BAs. Give them a little project. Say, go figure out how we can measure the economic impact of of completing that epic to our bottom line. That's a business analysis task. And then guess what? Measure that. How many of those do we get done? How much ROI do we have on our investment? I do have one last one about this, Natalie, which I think is indicative of what we're talking about. We see here with this obsession with alphabet soup and prescriptive copyrighted frameworks that say buy my stuff is that people say the tips for scaling agile is having consistent process and practices. And in particular, like Lee, what do you think about that?
1: Consistent. I think it's, it's, um, it's, it's a hard thing to talk about because from one side, I totally agree with that. I think that uh, creating habits within a team is, uh, is a good way to make the team kind of self-organizing. However, you must pair program. Yeah, that's the, pro- that's the other problem. That's the second side of it, right? If you have consistency, that means that are you never changing? Are you, are you not actually doing anything with your retrospectives? Um, so so I, I'm not sure if I'm, it depends on what they mean by uh, being consistent.
2: I have some thoughts around that with the uh, the consistent process, and and we've we've recently gone through some changes, and I think that there's this this sort of like smaller set of not so so much constraints as guidelines or must-haves. I don't want to say they're mandatory, but they kind of are. But they're, they're, at any company, right, there's certain things you have to fill out timesheets. You have to wear pants to work. You know, there's things that you have to do in order to, to turn up at work. So, and I think within any practice at any company, there are things that you need to do, uh, but limiting that And then allowing the team to decide the rest, I think is, and being clear about what that is, is a a key way to have consistent process. Yes. But minimal process.
0: Well, and, and having spent, again, something I want to say about this is I, I liked seeing this because it's, it's so close, but it's wrong. It's like ghostbusters close, but definitely wrong in terms of what we're saying here, because I think people and it, because of, scaled agile alphabet soup we did that we just talked about people think that they can achieve predictability by having consistent process where it's the same across all my teams it's cookie cutter that's wrong what we should have is consistent measurement criteria that we use to manage risk and at that point guess what team go do whatever you want but we need you to provide transparency to what you're doing so we can run our business. And guess what? Then team has autonomy to go self-organize and do whatever. And management and leadership has the information they need to run an effective business. So that's consistent measurement criteria, not a consistent process. Make sense? Or Liu, you should want to throw a rock at me because I know you're not a metrics fan, but I think people take these away. They want to draw a diagram. Here's what we do. Don't draw a diagram. Say how do we want to measure it to manage risk. Alright, so we got like two more pages of this for fun. This has been hopefully been. Well, I, oh you I want oh, re- more?
2: More? No, wait, I just I was really when you brought up Ghostbusters, I was really hoping you were gonna mention something about dogs and cats living together, but that's fine. Don't cross <laughs> the streams.
0: Thou cannot practice Scrum and Kanban at the same time. No, the marshmallow man. They're the Yeah, it will. The worst possible thing will come into your head, just like Dean Leffingwell and David Anderson, two-headed monster. Okay, that'd be pretty funny. So, I think we should do some Agile persona. We should uh, be entertaining. Okay, so let's. uh, Here's another metric. So we're on page fourteen. General tools and user preferences. Uh, I know we we started talking about this one before we turned a recorder on tonight, and we got to talk about this because this so, was, I'm concerned, Lee. Tell us yeah, about it.
1: So I'm concerned as well because to me, this whole thing has some very, very bad trends here if, if, it, if the trends continue. Let me just go down the list real quick, and I'm not going to give you the numbers. I'm going to give you whether they went up or down or stayed the same. And, and just listen to this. Bug trackers, down. Task boards, down. Spreadsheets, up. Wikis, Down. Agile project management tools down. Unit test tool, no change. Automated build tools down. Continuous integration tool. Down. Kanban board. Up. Traditional traditional project management tool. Up. Requirements management tool. Up. Release deployment automation. Uh barely up, but up. Uh index cards. Down.
0: Oh, that's good. Perform- we had to say paper.
1: Yeah. Uh, project and portfolio management tool up. Heck yeah, big time up. Yeah, (laughs) automated acceptance tool up. Story mapping tool down. That was that was so
0: 2014 story mapping. Okay, we need to get (laughs) moved forward.
1: Refactoring tool down. Customer idea management, whatever the heck that is, up.
0: (laughs) That's
2: Salesforce. To Um, me,
1: that's that's some really sad
2: stuff isn't well, there something over like you know people over processes and tools or something no. i don't know so a couple of things never mind
0: <laughs> who knows number one the changes were not super the big changes were again things like story mapping tool did go way down um portfolio manager tool went way up but some of these were just like one or two percents um kanban board went way up so again uh, people are David Anderson and Jim Benson are like converting the world over to Kanban, I think. So, yeah, Kanbans
1: and spreadsheets, apparently.
0: Yeah, but I mean, but here's what I don't get. Number one, so I'm questioning this is probably a sampling error because, you know, some beginners, but I mean, again, if we're moving forward with this continuous deployment DevOps thing, which is hot right now, I mean, people are trying to hire for it, people are blogging about it, new conferences are popping up all over just about DevOps. I don't understand how you could do that and not have an automated build tool. I would say that should be trending up. If it's trending down, I'm like, that's weird. And the same thing with continuous integration. If we're not having consistent feedback on our tests, and we want to get to where we can just release software continuously, we we seem to be going in the wrong direction, I think, is what we're trying to say here, which is a little concerning. So I guess we watch this. Um, The traditional project management tool going up is kind of interesting. So. Wonder what, what V one thinks about that. I guess
2: what I would summarize this as is: there's a lot of tools here. So, <laughs> double entendre tools. Well, but it's a ba-
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's a balance. I mean, okay, again. Fine. We're not going to have an automated build tool, Natalie? I mean, what? We're going to go hire a build master and pay him a salary
2: to have him sit around and do builds by hand? Or what, are we going back to the 80s? No, well, I'm certainly not speaking about specifically that one. But you look at this list. How many, how many tools do we need? Well, oh, that sounds like
0: a version one sales pitch right there. But the... um. <laughs> Buy our tool. I can get a job out of this. Well, you could do the whole again to be fair their tool to be fair it does the whole stack you could go everywhere from the team to the portfolio in one tool so to, and again that's valuable that gets By the way you want to get those earned value metrics you could build a custom report and excel and extract data from your you know from your, your team level tool and do that or to, to give credit to the vendors they have product that does that you simply turn it on and it works uh, I I think what this is saying I, I what I what I see here, Natalie and what I'm thinking of is I'm thinking of Amos because one thing that I know Amos Charles we worked on, he's like Jason why are you packaging the build by hand this week he's like I was like well Amos I only do- we had a team we only released once every three weeks so I, we we didn't automate it we never got around to automating our packaging and deployment. we did it by hand he's like do you realize in over a year that yeah it takes you it takes you probably a half hour he's like that's like that's like a almost a whole day of extra time so a lot of these tools to be called to, are you automating the right things so you have time to do value add work? Which is something Amos is very passionate about, so.
2: So my th- my comment on that is that, that I'm wary of so many tools because it takes the decision making out on you saying that you know what, six hours of work each year or like manually doing that build is not worth us doing th- three days of development. Like that trade-off, because tools abst- oftentimes can abstract that. Well, or guess
0: what? The team, I set up the automated build; it just works. The team's changes because people change, and next thing you know, no one knows how it actually works because I'm who knows where I,
2: I quit. I went and go work. I worked somewhere well, this, else. Yeah. So uh, absolutely. I but but they, yeah, you weigh those things.
0: Yeah. Well, this is interesting. I by the way, this to me was one of the highlights of this story because I thought it was. Again, if we're not, if you want to go down the DevOps road and you're not automating your build, I don't, good luck. Connect with us at thisagullelife.com and let us know how you're doing. So um,
2: uh, <laughs> so are we moving on to project management tools? I, I, I think this. Well, I think we're done with that. We already spoiled <laughs> that one. Um,
0: uh, what you got for that? Excel. So. Excel is
2: awesome.
0: Like really, really cool. What I don't like about how they surveyed this is it they don't talk about like physical tools. Like 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 what about just cards on a wall? They had that listed elsewhere, but I mean these are all basically your vendor tools, and I I know some teams that they effectively do and attract daily metrics, the same thing that all these tools do, using
2: cards on a wall. Yep. So I yep. wish I wish they had a data point for that. So The Microsoft project is an effective Agile uh, tool is pretty impressive too.
1: Well, that says that this is what people are using. They didn't say it was effective.
2: Well.
0: But I think what you're saying is that, again, but Lee, that's
2: indicative of the, the I mean, that's indicative of the quality of all of the other responses. Well, right. If 50 percent of the fair. people are using that, then that's how they're gauging their answers on all of the other questions. But are but are we confusing people? Because, again, I would love to see
0: a usage pattern. I'm sorry, if you go into MSP, Microsoft Project, and you plot out 18 months of milestones with fixed dates, you know, on a Gantt chart, that is not an agile practice. I mean, I'll also Jira's got an interesting plugin, like where you can plan your releases and it will auto-generate a Gantt chart for you. A little different approach, kind of the same thing. So I'll, 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 be, I'm okay with that one. But should Microsoft Project even be on this list?
1: Well, here, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. But let's also take another view of this, which is uh, for this particular metric, uh, respondents were able to make multiple selections, right? So, it's like, what tools do you use on a daily basis to help you to, to run your project, right? Well, gee, we, we take our, our uh, metrics from our cards and put them in an Excel spreadsheet, and suddenly Excel becomes used there. Um, I mean,
0: I, I think that's okay. Yeah. That's good. Let me, I, now I have a question for you because you're like me, you, you spent, you're kind of in a, big, you're in a big organization. Is there any appropriate pattern to use MSP? No, in, you, no, because I'm going to I'm going to say that, you know, if you want to do like a high level, I want to say no more than a year, like an investment theme roadmap where you want to show, hey, in March, these are the themes I'm investing in. And, you know, and it's high it's not detailed, no milestones, just 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 like bars. If you want to do that in MSP, I think that's OK.
2: So so one of the areas where like a pure infrastructure deployment that is potentially all date driven by deliverables of like equipment onto a data center and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I could be persuaded, but I still think that you could do it just as well in other tools. But the thing, I, the thing I think about MSP
0: is that what happens is even if you try to use it and I'll share, I've tried to, help subordinations use it at a very lightweight level. Cause they asked for it is it becomes a It becomes an avalanche. It's like, Oh, I can it's MSP. I could go in and I, I can add milestones and I can add blowouts and I can add all this stuff. And I was like, no, 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 stop. So that's, that's the danger I see there. The other, yep. thing, I, the other thing I see here that's interesting. And this to me, I think i, I as usual, will never know who vendor X and vendor Y is, but not on this again, from the David Anderson community in the or the combine community, There is a whole bunch of these uh, Kanban vendors not represented here. Lean Kid is on the list, but most of them are from Europe. That kind of, you know, again, it's that whole, it's the whole comic crew. Cost of ownership of those Kanban tools is typically much less than the tools on this list because they're all being developed by startups. So I'm curious to see if over time we start to see like Kanbanize and and what Swift Kanban, some of these other, again, lightweight tools aligned to Kanban that have capability to support enterprise service planning, which is what David Anderson's pushing. I'm curious to see when they pop up on the list here. Maybe that will happen next year. And I think at that point, we've, uh, if we've finished... Oh, of course. Satisfaction with agile project management tool choice. Who won that one?
1: Let's see. Who actually created this survey? Hmm. Think
2: really hardly. It's okay. a
0: difficult one. It's V1. Okay, but okay, all <laughs> kidding aside, this is serious, guys, because this goes back to what we talked about, um, about what you should be measuring. So, if you're building a product, what V1 is kind of measuring and the fifth thing bragging about here is they are responsive to their customers' needs and they're listening to their customers. If you're on a team doing Agile, are you doing that? Like, so what are you doing to get real life customer feedback about the software you're writing? So, Again, I appreciate V1 because, in the process of making this survey and kind of the way they've put it together, they're demonstrating some of the practices where I think as a community we can get better. So again, practice what we preach. So,
2: or is it or is it that their tool is so bad they get so much customer feedback? That that's why they're they're so focused on customer satisfaction, because the tool should just work. They shouldn't. Um, again, I think the fact that and you could wonder because I would assume since
0: they do publish this survey, they probably have higher fidelity data about their own users than everyone else. Yeah, but the fact that they're again they're concluding the survey by emphasizing what I'm going to say is I think an essential practice. I think very few organizations do this effectively and do it enough. And if they do do it, they primarily do it on their external consumer facing things. And again, if you're like, and again, Natalie, your organization, correct me if I'm wrong, your, your team's write Internal software, right? Like, yes. like software that their employees, your employees are forced to use whether they like it or not. So again, you want to go from good to great with agile as an organization What are you doing to assess that the software that you're building for your own employees is actually effective?
2: So I believe that some of their previous statistics are inconsistent with their customer satisfaction. If you're saying that your customers are satisfied, that's a subset of customers. And a lot of other customers have chosen to go with Excel rather than V1. So is it truly representative of their customer satisfaction or well, people have tried it and decided not to go with it?
1: Well, I think there's also the tendency here that um, it's it's kind of like the whose who's apple pie is better, right? Whoever just made me the apple pie and is asking me how I like it. Um, so if I'm asking the question, I'm more likely to get a positive response uh, Saying or
0: or or incentivized you with a carrot and stick reward of saying
2: fill out my survey and you may win a jam box, right? So part of this is its percentage is great, but percentage of what uses if Verizon is 92 oh. percent of a hundred people and Microsoft Project is fifty three percent of twenty thousand, it's a very different picture, isn't it?
0: Well, and there you have it. So our annual recount of the version one state of agile survey, which I hope has made you guys think so. Full disclosure, this agile life is an independent podcast and has received no remuneration from version one for anything that we said tonight. Probably shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone here. Uh, but at the same time, as I said a few times, and I, I want to let you guys share share some thoughts, Um, I want to appreciate Version 1 for doing this because, as we've said, and one of our motivations at This Agile Life is to really provide some insights and some some things to promote us to think and grow as a community. And so if there's one thing that Version 1 does every year pretty effectively, probably more effectively than anyone else out there, they do invest some, they make. They spend some money to make this thing happen, and it's definitely something that will make us think. So I offer my most sincere gratitude for that, because um, it gives us something interesting to talk about. And so that's my pick for tonight, is saying that, you know, if you haven't actually read the survey, go download it. We'll put the link to where you can go download it uh, in our show notes. And so you can download it and give us some feedback on, if you thought we're in left field or whatever, I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure Natalie, uh, Jason, and Matt, and we'll have VIP passes to the uh, Version One party at Agile 2015. Not <laughs> so. Um, but again, uh, and if you've never tried V1, check it out. Uh, check out all the tools out there. They they're, they all work a little differently, and they'll help you out. So, this week's
1: hottest picks. Lee, what's your pick? So my pick tonight is actually something that I found uh, through. Through one of the people that I've been working with, uh, they pointed me to um, a thing called "Developing for Android: An Introduction." So this is actually written; uh, it's out on Medium Corp, uh, and the link's there: medium.com. Uh, this is actually written by some of the uh, some of the Android developers that from Google, and uh, they created this this series of articles talking about just the best practices for Android development. And reading through this thing it's actually really good. It's lots of stuff even if you're a uh, it's kind of written for programmers that have already been uh, doing other languages or specifically uh, Java, C++, that kind of stuff, you're going to really enjoy this stuff. It isn't for it isn't for beginners despite despite the fact that it says introduction.
0: All right, and it's not too prescriptive, is it? Because otherwise Natalie won't like it if, it if it
1: becomes a framework, so... It's best practices, not must do it.
0: Oh, I thought there weren't any best practices. Natalie, what you got? You got a nice prescriptive framework for us this week? Natalie's on mute. Natalie's pick is conference call in real life. If you haven't seen it, uh, go... <laughs> Go watch back. it. She's back, right. okay. Woof, so, woof, 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 uh,
2: woof, woof. <laughs> no, puppies are being close. To, uh, very uh, quiet tonight. So there's a feature mapping tool called at FeatureMap.com uh, that is really neat. It's, it's nice to, if you've got a kind of new product owner, nice to use to help them think through uh, their story creation. Uh, and it's free which is nice. Uh, And then the other thing was in response to some commentary that I got from Jason. It's a YouTube video. It's only six or seven seconds long, but you will understand when I say, Hey, Jason monkey on the car.
0: Ha ha ha. ha! And with that friends, countrymen, lend me your ears. We're happy to share that. Yes, the state of agile is strong. And at that point, guess what? I think we'll go on record to say that maybe we'll think about doing our own this Agile Life survey in the future. Maybe we won't put a deadline on it, so we might eventually do that project. But at that point, Thank you for listening. I know we ran long this time. Hopefully you've enjoyed the dialogue. So if you needed to take a time out, we appreciate that. And we hope you hung in there to the end. If you have any feedback, please connect with us at life.com. On our website, you'll find some show notes with the links to the survey and other things we've talked about. And, of course, you can also find contact information for the show and also for myself, Natalie, and um, and Lee. So Thanks for listening, and of course, keep living This Agile Life.
2: This Agile Life is brought to you by a community of agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.